This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 207, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, October the 1st. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode number 207. It's a reviews episode for uh, comics that were released on Wednesday, uh, October the 1st. Uh, Unfortunately, this episode is later than normal. Um, Routinely, these usually come out, hopefully, the the Monday following a week of comics being released. But this week, uh, it's actually Thursday. So new comics have already been released for the 8th. Uh, So unfortunately, we're a little bit late on the draw this week. Uh, I've been ill, so I haven't had a chance to really get to uh, podcasting. Uh, But uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I am Adam Chapman, the host, and this is our reviews episode. Uh, so let's just jump right in. We're going to do um, a lot of a lot of times these reviews episodes are kind of fast paced. This one more so than others, uh, just because these these comics are already feel old. Uh, so let's kind of run them through quickly, uh, and uh, have unfortunately not as much time to do actually do the podcast today. So first up, we have Action Comics. Uh, this is issue number thirty five. Uh, this is uh, a doomed aftermath issue. Uh, it's written by Greg Pak, artwork by um, Aaron Cooter, I believe. Let me just go through the issue and find the artist somewhere here. Um, let's see. Oh, sorry, Scott Collins and Vicente Cifuentes were the artists here. Um, actually, I looking at it now. Yeah, I guess I can see the Scott Collins artwork peeking through. Uh, it's kind of mixed in with the other artists. Um, uh, it's an interesting story. I, I feel like I missed something with this, but Superman kind of comes back to Earth after everything that happened during Doom to see that the world's kind of viewing him differently. Uh, he's reconnecting with who he is as Clark and as Superman. Um, it's not a bad issue. Just kind of see what's what's going to go on. Uh, my problem with it is more the ending. It just kind of felt like it was a really interesting issue until the end was kind of like this thrown-in kind of um, cliffhanger that I just didn't need. Uh, the artwork I did like, uh, the blend of Cifuentes and, uh, Collins was kind of an interesting touch because I just kind of a weird combination to have those two artists kind of coming together, uh, because they have very different styles. Um, that being said, I, I didn't, I did enjoy the art. Um, and the story was interesting just to see what Clark would do when he comes back to earth, uh, dealing with everything that went down during Doomed, um, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. It, it was a lot more solid than um, maybe I was expecting, and at, at first I wasn't sure how to even take the issue, but it ended up getting a lot better as the issue went along. There were some parts of it that weren't great, but um, for the most part, I think it was good. Uh, next up is Batman Eternal number twenty six. Talk about uneven. Um, so this is written by, uh, let's see. Uh, stories by Scott Snyder, James Tinney and the Fourth. Script by James Tinney and the Fourth. Ray Fox, Kyle Higgins, and Tim Seeley were the consulting writers, with R.M. Guerra on artwork. Um, at times, I think there's almost too much inking here. It's just it feels like a very heavy, heavy draw in terms of the art. Um, the idea of having kind of Batman's dealing with um, his family kind of being targeted and coming apart, and his family members kind of coming to him being like, you know, this is everything. This is like the Joker incident all over again. Uh, we get to see more of Hush's um, uh, origin in the New 52 universe, which is more or less the same, but slightly different. Um, at the very end, I d- didn't really care for, uh, first of all, the way that Alfred looks just looks ridiculous. He looks like so fat and bloated. And then having him kind of get captured by Joker's daughter was kind of creepy at the end. Um, 
I don't know, parts of the issue I liked. I liked the whole Stephanie Brown and Clue Master part. I thought that was really interesting, seeing the rising tide of the, uh, the gang war, the fact that Batman's confronting the fact that it is Hush. Uh, there's a lot of interesting elements here, but then the artwork is just muddied. It's just uh, heavily inked. Um, things felt glossed over. So it was kind of an uneven issue. There's parts of it I really liked, but there's also a lot of parts I didn't really like or just felt were not handled as as well as they could have been so i'm going to give it a, a five and a half out of ten actually that's a little harsh uh, i'm going to give it a six because uh, as although as, as i did have my problems with it i don't think it was i guess that bad that it really should go down to like a five uh speaking of something that i don't like though well brings us to bucky barnes the winter soldier number one written by alice cott and artwork by marco rudy which at times is absolutely gorgeous there are at times the artwork is gorgeous and it's it's definitely doing something very different it's very almost experimental and it's a, it's a different type of artwork that you would usually ever see in a marvel comic and the fact that it's you know a bucky barnes book and it's this kind of weird space kind of adventure it, it's actually quite fitting that being said i just at times found it very incohesive i didn't really understand what was happening at times um i don't really like that bucky barnes is suddenly nick fury like nick fury they want to add that onto his past fine but he was already kind of a a uh, spy master around that time or he was still you still have it highly trained i just feel like we have a specific version of bucky barnes and now he's it feels like he's someone different and it doesn't feel like it's been earned it doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense for the character it just kind of feels like they just decided to make him a different character who doesn't even feel like bucky anymore i love the last um winter soldier book that was out um that brubaker had started and then i forget who continued it on but it was really good this just felt like something completely different and then throwing in quake here uh again I don't even know where Quake is these days. Quake is a character who I felt like Jonathan Hickman had great ideas for her, and then she was going to be the leader of this kind of revamped S.H.I.E.L.D., like a smaller kind of ground-up S.H.I.E.L.D., kind of like uh, Coulson on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, kind of rebuilding the, the Empire after the Empire was taken apart, essentially. Uh, but then I feel like we never really got that, and then instead we just kind of went right back into S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of being the classic S.H.I.E.L.D. that we know, and Maria Hill basically being the leader of that. Uh, so Daisy Johnson's here and, uh, she's teamed up with, uh, Bucky, but again, a lot of it just feels like we're just, we're just going into things. Things are just happening and I just don't feel like it makes a lot of sense. And, um, yeah, I just find that there's a lot of questions I have and it feels like he couldn't really be still doing what he needs to do as part of the invaders. Like, I feel like James Robinson's book's kind of getting ruined by the fact that he was said, Hey, do the invaders. But, you know, Cap and Namor don't really like each other right now. Oh, Cap's actually an old man. Oh, um, Winter Soldier's actually going to be in space now. It just feels like the All New Invaders book has kind of become Jim Hammond, which is fine. I like the Human Torch, but it just feels like they've taken these characters away from James Robinson, and now he can't really tell the stories that maybe he was planning on because these characters have been messed with by outside influences. Uh, I didn't like this issue. I just, again, I, I don't really like the story. Um, the artwork is, is at times gorgeous, but incomprehensible uh not comprehensive no sorry i can't comprehend what the, what the hell's going on half the time so even though the artwork is nice and it's it's gorgeous if i can't tell what's going on if i can't really understand the action that's being portrayed in those pages it doesn't matter how beautiful the artwork might be it's not really telling an effective story and from a storytelling perspective it fails uh so i'm giving it a four uh, next up is Cap America 25, which felt very much just like a, a very blasé issue. Uh, it's written by Remender, artwork by Pacheco. Um, part of it's interesting, you know, kind of the Zola and, and Jet uh, conversation and kind of 
what they're dealing with there and the fact that, you know, Sam Wilson looked like he died, but he's really still alive. And then uh, Jet kind of disappears with her father. I mean, it just feels like, ha- you know, a little less than half the issue spent on that. And it doesn't really feel like it gets anywhere. And then you have this big meeting at Avengers Mansion to introduce this, like, new Captain America. And, again, it just feels like a bloated moment, um, which doesn't even feel that organic to the story. And the fact that you have Sam Wilson saying, you guys all knew it was me, didn't you? There's literally no drama left in this reveal. It's a little too tongue-in-cheek for me. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with um, him as Cap, but, I mean, until we get there, who knows? Uh, And I'm not really sure what the very ending was supposed to be either, with this Hydra table and these guys who are this person who who appears to have known Sam for years. I don't really get what's going on here. Uh, It's supposed to kind of lead into the all-new Cap America number one by Remender and Imminen. I'm going to read it. I'm interested to see Sam Wilson as Cap, but... This issue just felt very kind of by the numbers. It kind of hurriedly wrapped up the story from last is- the last few issues with not a lot of fanfare. And then we have this new Captain America uh, kind of unveiled with his new costume. But again, it doesn't feel that earned either. It just kind of we jump ahead a week and oh, look who it is. Um, and the whole scene with all the Avengers, again, didn't really feel necessary or even, I don't know, authentic. It just kind of, it was just kind of written in. So I'm going to give it a five. Uh, next up is Death of Wolverine number three as we get closer and closer to the end. I mean, the artwork's gorgeous. Um, so it's written by Charles Sewell, artwork by Steve McNiven. Um, as much as... I, I kind of like this much more than I ever wanted to. Like, the whole fight between Ogan and, and Logan, and it's actually a lot of fun. The artwork's gorgeous. Uh, I thought the whole thing was just a lot better than I think I had any right to be, which is kind of a funny thing for someone to say but i feel like i wanted to not like it because it's it's so like a marketing ploy but sewell's doing an interesting way of kind of doing the greatest hits of wolverine having him in japan having him with kitty had having him fighting um ogun having lady deathstrike here but at the same time it still works and the art is gorgeous by mcniven so on that score alone it's it's still enjoyable What's interesting about this series, and this is not in any way Sewell's fault, is that we had this big lead-up to, you know, One Month to Die, all this kind of stuff, and all these storylines happening in the core Wolverine book, which is now ended, and it had ends that all of that stuff ends up having nothing, nothing to do with the actual death of Wolverine. In fact, even the way we saw Sabretooth ended up having really nothing with how, to do with how he would be portrayed in this book in particular. So it's just kind of an odd series of choices this issue though based on the strength of the artwork i'm giving it an 8 out of 10 again i am surprised in a good way by how much i enjoyed it um because i i honestly didn't expect to so i it really uh, was able to confound my expectations uh we have fantastic four annual number one uh it's written by well first of all a terrible cover by greg land I don't know what Valeria's face is doing, but we have a classic uh, Greg Land um, open-mouth adult woman face. Uh, the artwork in the issue is done by Grummet, Tom Grummet, and artwork, uh, so it's written by James Robinson. This is probably one of the worst, not the worst Grummet artwork I've ever seen, but it is not his best. I am usually a big fan of Tom Grummet. I think he's an amazing artist. This just wasn't I don't know what was going on here. I don't know if maybe it was his inker was different. I just didn't really enjoy it. His t- take on uh, Valeria at times didn't quite fit. Um, I don't know. And even his take on Doom, like, there's something was kind of off here. Like, I love Tom Grummet generally, and I'm a big proponent of his artwork, but this just was not his best work. And it wasn't Robinson's best work either, because I just felt like Sue is so 
not sue here, which maybe is the point. And they kind of mentioned that, but it's just such a long, drawn-out, you know, I want to get my daughter back, and her daughter saying, no, I want to stay with Doom, and Sue being very, like, hot-headed and, and imp- impetuous. And again, maybe this is being alluded to, that maybe she's being mind-controlled of some kind. They're kind of alluding to that here in terms of what Doom says. Um, I just felt like Doom is the hero of the story. Sue is the villain, and it was just an odd issue. And I didn't like the artwork by Grummet. Um, it wasn't that great a script by by uh, Robinson. So I'm going to give it um, a 4 out of 10. I just, Especially for an annual. You want it to kind of feel like it's doing something special or big. And I just didn't find this that engaging or interesting. Uh, next up is uh, Green Lantern. I'm going to actually talk about Green Lantern New Gods Godhead number 1 first. Which is Act 1, Part 1 of this new uh, crossover storyline. Um it's a big story, that's for sure. I mean, there's definitely a lot that could be going on here. Um, so this is sorry, it's Godhead Act Act One Part One. This episode issue is called Genesis. It's uh, written by, or sorry, the story is by Van Jensen, Justin Jordan, Robert Venditti, Charles Sewell, and Cullen Bunn. Basically, everyone who works on the Lantern books. Uh, script is by Jensen and Jordan, and then uh, the art is by Ethan Van Skyver, Martin Cocolo, Gordon, sorry, Garan. Suzuka, Criss Cross, and Pete Woods, which is just a, a giant, interesting collection of different artists. Um, I actually really dug this. It was kind of a simple story, but you have the new gods have decided that throughout the multiverse, they have to figure out a way to stop Darkseid, and one of the ways they think they can do that is by being able to uh, find the life equation, and they basically think that the White Lantern... Uh, the power of the White Lantern, who's Kyle Rayner, is the key to the uh, life equation. And in fact, that by combining these seven power rings, they'll be able to create the life equation. And so to do that, they uh, go throughout the uh, universe and they steal the ring from each of the core. And then they put, the, put it on the scepter. And then they use it to uh, try and use the life equation on this world. And then end up kind of going horribly backfiring. Um... I enjoyed how the characters were written here, and it was it was done in a very exposition manner, but a, a suitable one, so that you can kind of understand who these characters are, what they're about. Uh, you also get a sense of each of the core as well, and how they're going to end up being figuring into this in terms of uh, who's losing their uh, their rings. Um, Saint Walker loses his. You have uh, this Red Lantern giving up hers. Uh, it's kind of very interesting. Uh, Mogo give uh, his ring gets stolen, which. Uh, considering Mogo is currently the base of operations for the Green Lanterns is uh, not a good thing. Um, I actually really dug this. And again, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I actually thought it was to be, uh, quite a strong story. Um, it, it, we have a lot, way too many crossovers in the Green Lantern universe, I think. But this one feels much more much bigger, much more earned. That you know, This is something that you would have all the different Lantern books kind of coming together. Especially when you have like the Red Lanterns and the Sinestro book and... Uh, you have these three different cores are represented by their own books, and I think it makes sense to bring them all together for this, and then having all the, also uh, Kyle, who's on his own as the White Lantern, so his book as well, and then the two green books. So I think it makes sense to kind of bring everything together um, in that kind of capacity, because it's this big, big threat to all the different... And the reason why the cores are getting involved is, you know, they're, they're having their rings taken away, or in the case of... Uh, you know, Mogo, and their their base of operations is going to be crippled, and they have to go somewhere. 
Uh, so I actually, I really dug this. And then coming right off of that, so that's an 8 out of 10, we've got Green Lantern 35, which is uh, the next part of the storyline. Um, and I actually, I really dig the cover, colors too. Sorry, the colors. The covers, I think the covers for both of these uh, issues were really well done. Um, this issue is, let's see, written by Robert Venditti, artwork by Billy Tam. Um, I really, really enjoy this. We have continued... Uh, examination of the new gods as they try to find out more about the white lantern uh they try to break in the to the green lantern's um you know uh memory banks and data banks to find out more about kyle rayner uh the green lanterns go back to metron and orion and they kind of fight against them but they're they're not able to uh to do very well in fact they get their asses kicked and uh they realize that there's you know there's an army out there that they may have to go up against and it's leading to uh what might happen next? Well, it looks like we're gonna see uh, the Sinestro Corps get a get a visitors uh, from I guess the Green Lantern soon. Uh, we, I, it's not really certain if that's gonna happen in Green Lantern Corps thirty five or the next issue of Sinestro, but I'm definitely excited to see what happens next as the storyline continues. Again, I was not really you know expecting much from the storyline. I was I've been hot and cold on the Green Lantern uh, books for the last while really since the new 52 started um even though you had johns on it it just wasn't the same as it had been years earlier so uh i've been up and down but this is more up i'm, I'm more excited by what might be going on uh next up is justice league 34 and this is uh artwork by scott collins it's written by jeff johns uh they were obviously uh previous uh, collaborators on the flash book it was interesting is that this book and the, well, at least the way that Scott Collins does his art is that it doesn't feel New 52-ish, if that makes any sense. Like, just the colors that are used by the colorist here, um, the way Captain Cold even looks in this kind of uh, dream sequence, uh, it looks very pre-New 52, and it's just, it almost hurts, because this the artwork by Collins is so classic-looking and so bombastic, and it just feels very pre-New 52 fun version of DC, uh, as opposed to the more, you know... Um, modern version of the new 52 uh which is definitely interesting and the and the big ending kind of um cliffhanger with owlman was definitely interesting as well uh i dug this it was an interesting issue seeing more with uh what's going on with luther kind of joining the team him having these kind of uh moments with batman superman and wonder woman uh you also have flash kind of um helping the new power ring dealing with the ring and i really liked how those two kind of related together and again it goes back to it just works well when you have a green lantern of, or a power ring in this case and a flash together it just kind of works um so i really dug this uh so i'm gonna give this an eight out of ten and again scott collins artwork looks fantastic it at times doesn't feel like it's really new 52 but i still enjoy it uh, second last book we got this week or actually third last my bad is uh, Silver Surfer number six, um, and I am just in love with this book. Uh, it's written by Dan Slott, artwork by the uh, Alreds. Uh, as we have the beginnings of uh, Silver Surfer's uh, trek through space with Don Greenwood. Uh, there's just a lot of fun stuff here with her needing to go to the washroom, her wanting to have ice cream. They go into this place where they have like the best ice cream. Uh, you have the Ultimate Soldier. I mean, a lot of the stuff is just kind of fun and silly, but it is just so much fun. It's um, it, it's kind of like one of the best comic books I've ever read, to be honest, in the terms of it just has this sense of fun and adventure that the artwork is able to really portray the fun of Dan Slott's script. 
Uh, it's not taking itself too seriously. It's just it's this gloriously fun book, and I look forward to it every month. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Uh, and then next up, we have Spider-Man 2099. Uh, it's interesting. I bought So I bought this issue, and then I read it. Uh, I had a digital code for it, so I also read it digitally. Um, the colors are really kind of off on this issue, or I didn't think we're as spot on. Uh, the, the issue itself... Um, or the, I like the action. Um, I did think some of the stuff with Hibera Stone kind of making his, his decision or changing his mind on some stuff kind of was too easy. I just thought the colors on a lot of these pages were a little too light, and I think part of it's on the in the print version that because I noticed that when I read it digitally, it seems like a darker palette. Whereas when I read it um, in the single issue, um, the lighting, the, the colors just seemed way too light, and they maybe it was just my particular copy, but I just I really did enjoy this issue. Um, not a lot of like real plot progression. These you had a lot of a fight sequence. You had Scorpion fighting uh, Spider-Man twenty nine nine. Uh, Spider-Man coming up with a way to kind of uh, get uh, the spider Spiders to uh, stop fighting him and fights and fight uh, Scorpion instead. Uh, Tiberius definitely had a bit of a, a turn in personality, which uh, could have been a little bit better in terms of how it was uh, portrayed or explained. Uh, excited to see what next issue will be like as it's part of the Edge of Spider-Verse um, before Spider-Verse actually starts, because it looks like uh, as of this issue, um, or at least this week's version worth of comics, we only had, I think, three issues left. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 7 and 8, 7 of which comes out October the 8th. Uh, you had uh, Edge of Spider-Verse 5, which also comes out, I think, on the 8th, if not later on. And then you had Spider-Man 29... Oh, sorry, Spider-Man 29 number 5. So you still have one more issue of Spider-Man 29, which will be part of the Edge of Spider-Verse. Um, excited to see what that's going to look like and, and what the, it's going to book for the do for the series. I always wonder, because Peter David's such a good writer, but then he always ends up... Like, this happened with when he launched uh, From the Neighborhood Spider-Man, like, seven years ago. Uh, it just feels like he always kind of gets involved in the launching a book and to write during a crossover or the crossover is like three or four months in, like you can't catch a break. They'll just do something on his own. Now, obviously it'll be good for sales, but it'd be nice to not have to worry about a crossover when you're writing a story. Um, that being said, I, so I did enjoy the issue and I'm going to give it an eight, even though I thought the, there were some issues with the colors, but I'm thinking more and more that it may have just been something with my copy, uh, especially given the fact that, the digital copy seemed fine, so maybe it was just in my print copy that the colors didn't quite seem right. And the last book I'm going to talk about is Uncanny Avengers number 25, which is the last issue of the series. Um, and at times, a bit of a mess. It's written by Recommender, I work by Daniel Acuna. This is not Acuna's best. Um, you had you know, Scarlet Witch, um, Havoc, and Rogue going up against the S-Men. Uh, Magneto is there as well to kind of go up against Red Skull. Um... He then beats the crap out of Red Skull for a while and then seemingly kills him, but then somehow the Red Onslaught is unleashed, which I don't really understand how that even happens or what's going on. Um, the artwork was a little bit muddy. The story at times wasn't as cohesive as it could have been. It wasn't the greatest way for the series to go out. I'm going to give it a six, but I'm excited to see what Avengers versus sorry Avengers and X-Men Axis will look like. So that is everything from this week's comics. Uh, the comics I didn't get a chance to look at include the following, and there's a, unfortunately a ton of them. Uh, we got American Vampire Second Cycle, number 5, Aquaman and the Others, number 6, Batman 66 meets Green Hornet, number 5, Batman Superman 14, Black Widow, number 11, Dark Tower, Drawing of Three, Prisoner, number 3, 
Detective Comics 35, Edge of Spider-Verse number 4, Ferris number 30, Figment number 5, Flash of Season 0 number 1, Gotham Academy, uh, Academy number 1, Grayson number 3, Green Arrow 35, Guardians 3000 number 1, Hinterkind number 12, Injustice Gods Among, Among Us Year 2 Annual number 1, Justice League 3000 number 10, Legendary Star-Lord number 4, Lobo number 1, Looney Tunes 221, Men of Wrath by Jason Aaron number 1, Miracle Man number 11, Moon Knight number 8, Names number 2, New 52 Futures End number 22, Swamp Thing 35, Thor number 1, which is a big release from this past week, Tiny Titans Return of the Trios number 5, Wonder Woman 34, and X-Men number 20. Uh, if we look forward, or technically look backward, but if we look at October the 8th, uh, which is the next week's worth of comics. Some of the highlights will include uh, the new revamped version of Batgirl, the beginning of Batman Endgame and Batman 35, uh, the, the Batman Noir, the Long Halloween hardcover, which is a new reprinting of the Long Halloween, I believe in black and white, uh, which would be an interesting thing to see. Um, for fans of Earth 2, you have the uh, third trade paperback and the fourth hardcover coming out, as well as the new weekly series Earth 2 World's End, starting with issue number one. Uh, for those, for uh, let's see, uh, in Justice League United has issue number five, the new launch of Clarion, uh, the Witch Boy, but it's just Clarion number one, and then also we have uh, World's Finest twenty seven and Smallville season eleven trade paperback volume five Olympus. Uh, looking at Image Comics, you have. Uh, Manhattan Projects number twenty four coming out, as well as the third trade paperback of East of West. Uh, I'm sadly way behind on this. Uh, looking at Marvel, we have the trade paperback for the old new dupe coming out, as well as Amazing Spider-Man number seven, which is the crossover or team up with uh, Miss Marvel, as well as an Edge Spider-Verse issue. The next chapter of Time Runs Out in Avengers happens in Avengers thirty-six. You got Avengers and X-Men Access number one. Uh, trade paperback wise, you have the third trade paperback of Hawkeye coming out. You have the Marvel's Companion trade paperback coming out, which I'm excited about just because it has uh, one of my favorite miniseries from when I've. I guess late 90s, early 2000s. I remember buying it and really liking it and thinking that it would never be collected anywhere and it's been collected there. It's a two-issue series called uh, Conspiracy, which I really liked at the time, but maybe if I revisited it, maybe it doesn't hold up. So we'll see once I get it. Uh, the first trade paperback of Charles Sewell's She-Hulk, which unfortunately has some terrible artwork in it, uh, but the uh, first two issues are really good. Uh, and then you have the th third trade paperback of the relaunched X-Men book called Bloodline. So that's everything that's uh, coming out on the 8th of September, sorry, September, of October. Uh, thanks for joining me for this episode, for episode 207. Next episode, 208, uh, will probably be a flashback episode looking at Infinite Crisis. We previously did a flashback to the Countdown to Infinite Crisis in a previous episode a few, month, a few episodes ago. So that'll be the next episode, likely, in episode 208. So uh, thank you for joining me today. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also you can post in our HC Realm thread once I get around to posting it. Thank you and uh, for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>